Will you help me welcome Pastor John Martin? Come on, you guys. Thanks, man. Bless you. Good morning, Discovery Church. How are we doing today? How many of you love Jesus? Raise your hand. Oh, that's a good thing right there. Hey, I want to thank Pastor Jason and Pastor Veronica for inviting me, my dear wife Rhonda, to come and to be a part of your church today. What a joy, what a privilege it is. Your pastors are amazing. Aren't they amazing? Why don't you give them a hand today? They're awesome. Well, I was able to be with you on a Saturday morning many, many years ago when you were not in this location, and I think literally it was like as wide as this one section right here around the bend somewhere around here. And how many of you were in the church at that point in time about six, seven, eight years ago? Raise your hand if that's the case. That's, that's like awesome right there. Just like there's only a few of you, like all sorts of new people coming into the church. Love what you guys are doing. Loving how you're reaching Bakersfield and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to continue in the series that your pastor started a couple of weeks ago on the story of Moses. And so if you have your copy of scripture, whether it is a tree printed version or whether it's an electronic version, you'll also see it, I think, on the screens there in front of you. We want to dive into a passage that some of you are very familiar with. Others of you may have heard once or twice, and still others of you, you may not have heard it at all. So this is going to be a brand new thing to you. But we're looking at excuse me, Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. Exodus chapter 3. Starting in verse number one, follow along. It's a lengthy passage that I want to read here today. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Israel. I've heard them crying out because of their misery, their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have their come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it was I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship the God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? 
Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Let's pray. Lord, in this moment, we dedicate this time to you, and I pray that you would bring your word alive to us. So for every single one of us here in this room, myself included, Lord, that we would leave here different than we first came in because we've allowed your Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. Guide us, direct us, empower us, strengthen us. We put our lives in this moment in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. I want to give you five thoughts today off of this passage of scripture. You may want to take some notes along the way. I think some things that really pertain to us. Number one is that God engages the seekers. When you choose to seek after God, he is not a God who stands far away from you, but he is a God who wants to engage into your life. I'm so thankful today that he is only the whisper of his name away. We sang the song, one of my favorite new songs that's out, I Speak the Name of Jesus. Don't, don't you love that song? That, that we can speak the name of Jesus, no matter where we are, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're driving down the road, whether you're in church, wherever you are, you can speak the name of Jesus, and he is just a call away. He is only a prayer away. In verse four of Exodus three, we read, it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. Everybody say, look. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. God called out his name. God is calling our name today, and he's wanting us to look. And the wonderful thing is that when you look at God, God is attractive. God is not a God who wants to stay distant from you and difficult for you to understand, but the more that you engage him, the more that he can be found. In Jeremiah 29, 13, the statement is made there. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all, everybody say all, all of your heart, all of your heart, putting your entire heart into it. For some of you here today, maybe you came into this room and maybe you're on the fence. And I want to just remind you today how important it is that you get off that fence and you get all in for Jesus Christ. Don't, don't play games with God. Be all in with him, and he will lead you down an amazing path. God engages the seekers. God is interested in you. It's amazing how God's presence is powerful. You know, I, I think about how his name is I am. Even Jesus picked up on it in John chapter 8, where he was referencing Abraham, and he said, even before Abraham was I am. I am. God is the one who invented time, didn't he? He spoke the world into existence, and as he spoke the world into existence, he created time as we know it today. Time as we know it. You make some trips around the sun. Time as we know it today. As we get up in the morning and the sun comes up. Time as we know it today, we had that because God created that. God transcends time. He is not the God of the past. He is not the God of the future. He is the God who is current. He is the God of I am. I am who I say I am. It's powerful. 
I think about how his presence transforms so much, which leads us to point number two, that God's transforming power transforms the circumstances with his presence. Now, don't get me wrong that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? God resides inside of you. That it's the Spirit of Christ who regenerates us from the inside out. And so the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. That should be like amazing and somewhat freaky all at the same time. God is inside of you. But more than just being inside of you and being in a place where we understand that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst of them, so he's here with us today. You and I have probably had moments where we have sensed the presence of God in a really rich way. Maybe it's during a worship service. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your small group. Maybe, maybe it's a time where you've broken open the word of God and all of a sudden the word of God is, is coming alive and it's like God just descends in that moment. How many of you have ever had an experience like that? The presence of God. Moses is on the hillside, Mount Horeb, and as he's looking at this bush and God is calling his name, Moses, Moses. And as he calls his name, we see in verse 5, it says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. See, when, when God shows up, he makes that which is unholy, holy. God transforms everything. And so you could have a rotten day. You could come to church here this morning in this service, and maybe you had an awful week, but you choose to come into the presence of God, and it's amazing how God's presence changes everything. You could walk away going, wow, I just, I needed that today. As a pastor, I've had people who are believers say that time and time again. I've had people who are non-believers, seekers, say, I, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something powerful. I, 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 go, to, I go to some places, and, and, and I don't sense what I sense when I come to your church. See, that's, that's what Discovery Church is. It's a place where the Holy Spirit is, because he's with you. And you, and you, and you, and you. He's with us, and, and he gathers with us, and, and we invite his presence in, and all of a sudden he transforms everything. And let me take you to another Old Testament passage of Scripture. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah has a vision of heaven. And it says in the passage that the train of his robe filled the temple, and there were seraphim, angels, who were flying around heaven. And with two wings, they were covering their faces. With two wings, they were covering their feet. And with two wings, they were flying. And they were calling out. They were singing out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Before we go any further, let's just make sure that we're capturing this. As, as these angels are flying around heaven, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. It says, with two wings that were covering their faces, you know, maybe, maybe you've seen it in scripture where no one can look on God and live. God is light, the Bible says, and in him, there is no darkness at all. And in the midst of the brilliance of his glory, which shines the way they, they couldn't handle it. Literally, even the angels in heaven couldn't handle it. So they're, they're guarding their faces from the brilliance of God. 
And it says, with two wings are covering their faces, with two wings are covering their feet. It's another wonderful connection point to this passage that we just read because when Moses is approaching and God says, don't come any closer because the place you are standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals, take off your shoes because this place is holy. So they're symbolically covering their feet, they're covering their eyes, they're covering those two parts of their body, they're flying around, they're calling holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices the doorposts and thresholds shook. It was this like earthquake in heaven. And we have the response of Isaiah, where Isaiah says, Woe to me, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now, before we turn that into kind of a Shakespearean thing, you know, woe to me hither. <laughs> Let's put it more in like our culture today because it probably wouldn't be recorded woe to me as much as it would be like, whoa, dude. <laughs> this is gnarly, man. And Isaiah's going, this is overwhelming. Because see, friends, the closer you get to God, the more you realize you have spots. And those spots are called sin. He said, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And my eyes, we, I've seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the, the angels flies to a, an altar and with tongues grabs one of the the scripture says, live coals, fire, amongst other things in scripture, is a cleansing agent. And so he takes, with tongues, he takes a live coal and he flies back and he touches Isaiah's lips. And he says, see, your lips have been cleansed and atoned for. Before we go any further, how many of you have ever barbecued and not done the propane thing, but you've gone old school, and you got the blue and white bag of briquettes. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you pile them up in your barbecue, and you hit it with lighter fluid, right? And then you throw the match on, and the thing goes like this, right? At least you hope it does, because if it doesn't, then you got to hit it with more lighter fluid, but you definitely take about three steps back before you do that, right? And you start this fire to be able to cook your ribeye steak. Sorry, I've been, I need to probably be careful that I don't make anybody too hungry here this morning. <laughs> and we know that the briquettes, those coals, as they start to heat up, they get gray on the outside. But if you poke them, you know they are, they are live. You don't reach in there and pick one up with your fingers. Because underneath that gray exterior is a live coal that's red hot. And God was atoning and taking Isaiah's sin away as he touched his lips. And all of a sudden, Isaiah realizes, I'm in the holiness of God. God has now cleansed me 
And then God says in the text, and who shall go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. In other words, when God changes us from the inside out, we realize we need to respond to the greatness of God. It's about the presence of God. It's about the presence of God that, that changes everything. That presence of God changed Isaiah in that moment, in that vision of heaven. The presence of God in that burning bush changed Moses in that moment. That we need to make sure that we fall on our faces before the Lord and allow the Lord to change us from the inside out. God wants to change and transform you. And here's the beautiful thing. No matter how bad your past has been, your past doesn't need to define your future. Your past, as you give it over to the Lord, can be forgiven. Your past can be at a brand new place. Isaiah 33 verses 14 and 15 says it this way. As Moses is interacting with the Lord, the Lord replies to Moses, this is a number of chapters later, he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go up with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, I don't want to step out ahead of you, God. I only want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to do this on my own. When I was 18 years of age, as I was seeking God, I was asking the Lord for, actually for several years, through my teenage years, high school years, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I was very serious about that. I'll, I'll, God, if you call me to do what, I'll, I'll do it. And at that point in time, I, I, was, I was pretty good with math and, and science, or so I thought, and so I decided, you know, my cousin is a dentist, I'll become an orthodontist, I'll make a boatload of money, I'll straighten some people's teeth, and I'll serve Jesus as a layperson in the church. And I was good with that. Now, let me just pause there, because every time I tell this story, I have somebody come up to me and say, man, you look like a dentist. <laughs> yeah, some of you are nodding your head. Yeah, you look like, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know that this necessarily connects with dentistry, but... So... God had something different in store. It was January 1981, senior year in high school. Had some calculus homework in front of me. If you've ever studied calculus, uh, you may relate to the fact that I had no idea what I was looking at in that moment. <laughs> and God entered my bedroom and literally with an audible voice called me into ministry. It was one of the most powerful things that ever took place in my life. And God said, John, I have something different in store for you. And so instead of straightening some teeth, I'm straightening hopefully some lives. And here's the thing is that when, when God, when you seek God and you submit to God and you want to do God's will, God will show up and God will transform the circumstance and God will direct your life if you're willing to put it all in his hands. I never would have guessed that I would be doing 35 years later what I'm doing today in this role. Number three is that God responds to heartfelt prayer. 
We need to not only pray in the name of Jesus, it's at the name of Jesus, the Bible says that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That pretty much covers it. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we pray in the name of Jesus. You don't know how to pray, you speak the name of Jesus. We go back to our worship song today. We speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus over your family. Speak the name of Jesus over your workplace. Speak the name of Jesus over your neighborhood. Speak the name of Jesus over your friendships. When you don't know how to pray, don't, you don't need to necessarily pray a flowery prayer. Just call out, Lord, Lord, take care of this. When you've got one of your kids or your grandkids or you've got a, you've got a parent or you've got a brother, a sibling, a sister, a family member who's struggling you don't need to pray some flowery prayer. You need to pray the name of Jesus over them. In verse 9, it says, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, God was saying to Moses, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So pray with passion. Pray with expectation. We, when we pray, we need, to, we need to be going, God, I'm believing for this. Put your faith to work. Put feet to your faith. John 16, 24 says it this way, until now you have not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And also in James chapter four, so important. James says to us that you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, goes on to say, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We ask with the wrong motives. See, it's not only the words you say as you pray it, but it's also what's in your heart as you pray it, isn't it? Because no one knows your heart better than God does. It's the Lord who says that he opposes the proud but he gives favor to the humble. That we need to humble ourselves in God's sight because the more that we stay humble in his eyes, the better off we will be. God has an amazing way of humbling the prideful, the proud. So we need to pray with the right motives that our heart is in the right place. Sometimes God says no to the answer. And that could be because our motives are wrong, our attitude is wrong, our perspective is wrong. There are sometimes where God says, not yet, so slow. So sometimes it's no, sometimes it's slow. In other words, slow down, you're getting ahead of me. And sometimes God says, go, he gives you the green light. So I think about how different ways God answers prayer, whether it's a no, whether it's a slow, whether it's a go, whatever it may be, we need to make sure that we're offering up these prayers and petitions and do not give up. Amen. Do not give up. My one aunt, who is now in heaven, two weeks before she died, my dad had the privilege of leading her to Christ. She's the, a great example in my life of how you should never give up. So if you have a family member that you're not seeing that they're responding well to the things of God, don't give up. You keep praying. In fact, get your friends to pray with you and continue to pray passionately, earnestly, expecting great.
great things from God because our God is a great God. Amen to that? Number four is that God empowers his people. God empowers his people. In in verse 10 of Exodus 3, it says, So now go, everybody say go. I am sending you to Pharaoh. That's Moses being sent by God back to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I, I just want to tell you how God never wastes an experience. God builds upon the experiences in your life. There are moments where he gets you ready for things that you never thought could be imaginable or even possible, but he does so because you've gone through some stuff that other people haven't gone through. See, in my life, there's there's certain experiences I've not had. I'm the kid who was raised in a Christian home. I'm the kid who attended church all his life. And, And as a pastor of 15 years in Victorville, I, I kept telling the congregation there, some of you, some of you will, God will use you in a greater way to touch some people's lives because you've gone through a different experience in life than I've gone through. And God's gonna use you to powerfully touch their life because you'll reach them better than I could ever reach them. And so that's why we need to value everybody, don't we? Because everybody matters to God. Everybody's important. Everybody has a, an important part of the puzzle, piece of the game that he wants to use you in. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Your worship pastor pointed that out, Pastor Brennan. And I think about how important it is that we submit ourselves to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Second Timothy 1.7 says it this way, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love, and self-discipline. God wants you to be courageous. God wants you to be brave. God wants you to be willing to take a stand for him in a day and an age like today. Acts 1.8 says it this way, but you'll receive power, everybody say power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This word power out of the Greek text is the word dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. That God wants to give you dynamic power in him. Jesus, when he talked to his disciples, he said, make sure that you stay in Jerusalem until you receive the gift my father has promised to give you. As we all know, Jesus was crucified on the cross. We call that Good Friday. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. Easter Sunday. After he rose from the dead, he was here on earth for about 40 days. On one occasion, he appeared to over 500 people, historical fact. And after the 40 days was up in Acts chapter 1, before we see this, as a part of this passage, Jesus ascends to heaven. He tells tells his followers, stay in Jerusalem. So they did. About 120 of them gathered together in what we refer to as the upper room, and they were seeking the Lord. It's so important that you understand that if you want God to do something, you need to seek after him. And so they're seeking after the things of God, and, and about 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, Pente, 
the, the, the five or the, the, the 50, 50th day after Easter, the Holy Spirit descends upon them in the upper room in Acts chapter two, where tongues of fire literally land upon them. They begin to speak in other tongues, other language as the Holy Spirit had enabled them, an outward sign of what the Holy Spirit had done within their hearts. What's amazing is that it empowered them for ministry. So we see in Acts 3, in Acts 4, in Acts 5, in the subsequent chapters, we see how the Holy Spirit did a powerful work in James and John and Peter, the early church. <coughs> the Bible says that the Holy Spirit added to their number daily, daily, those who were getting saved. Powerful stuff. The power of God. God wants to empower you for some amazing things that he is calling you to. Allow the spirit to do a fresh work in your life. And on this day of Pentecost, basically I just wanna leave us with that. That be open to allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in your heart. Don't stop what he wants to do. Say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you to do your work in my life. Do what you see best in me to empower me for what you are calling me to. Number five, that God confirms your calling. God confirms your calling. I love this. It says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Moses responds with excuses. Has this ever happened to you where God's asking you to do something and you, now you're coming up with reasons why you shouldn't do it. It's like the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want you to start that prayer group. I, I want you to step up and lead that Bible study. I, I want you to host that thing. I, I want you to be a part of the welcome team here at Discovery Church. I, whatever it is, he, he, he's gonna ask different ones of you to do different things because he's a creative God. And it's amazing how we can come back and, and we can start saying, well, God, yeah, I, I, I can't do that. And we come up with all sorts of excuses why we can't. Moses did. Moses comes before the Lord and says, Lord, you know, what, what, happens, what happens if they say, like, you know, I'm crazy? What, what, and he goes, take your rod, throw it on the ground, your staff, lay it down. And it becomes a snake, just like that. Then God says in the text, pick it up by the tail. I don't know about you. I don't like snakes. How many of you like snakes? Anybody like snakes? I don't like snakes. And the last thing you want to do is pick a snake up by the tail, right? And, and, and it becomes a rod again, a staff again. God says to Moses, take your hand. Stick it, stick it inside your, your jacket, your cloak. So he does so, and as he does so, he pulls his hand out and it's covered with leprosy. He says, put your hand back in your jacket again. He does, and all of a sudden it's gone. Now, you would think that those two would take care of it right there. You know, it's like, okay, I get it, God. I get it. You're asking me to do this. You're, you're giving me signs. You're giving me confirmation. And yet he's still, he's like, okay, really? And so he says, take some water from the Nile and pour it out and it becomes blood. I don't know if anybody in the, can you do that? I can't do that. So God is confirming what he wants to do in Moses' life. And Moses comes back again, 
He comes back and he goes, well, yeah, I, I really can't talk that great. Fine. Interestingly enough, if you read the text, you'll see that God is actually getting angry with Moses at this point. And he says, fine, I'll give you Aaron. The two of you go together. In other words, Moses, come on. I've called you to this. Step it up. And I want to tell you today, when God's wanting you to do something, he'll get your attention. He'll keep your attention. He will continue to pursue you until you start saying yes to the things he wants you to do. I know some people who are miserable today in life because God wants them to do some things and they are running from God. Don't be that person. Don't be Jonah. Jonah's given the assignment, go to Nineveh, preach. Here's your assignment, here's what you need to do. Jonah goes, I'm not doing that. You ever said that to God? I'm not doing that. So he hops on a boat, across the Mediterranean Sea, heading to, for a place called Tarshish. As he's out on the Mediterranean Sea, this big storm comes up, such a big storm that they literally, everybody in the boat is throwing things overboard. You can read it, it's right there in the text, in Jonah. They're throwing things overboard, they are freaking out. They're all freaking out. You know who's not freaking out? Jonah. They're going to Jonah, Jonah, man, what's going on, man? What's going on? I, you're not freaking out. We're all freaking out. Why are you not freaking out? We're freaking out. And he says, uh, I'm the problem. Just throw me overboard and you'll be fine. What? What did you do? So then they get together. It's in, it's in the text. I'm not making this up. They get together and they pray, God, don't hold us accountable for this guy's death because we're going to throw him overboard there. And as that takes place, the sea becomes calm. And they're like, whoa, dude. <laughs> now, the part of the story that probably most people realize is, is the next part where all of a sudden God sends a big fish and it swallows Jonah up. He's in the fish for three days. It's a typology of Jesus where Jesus, who died upon the cross, was in a borrowed tomb for three days, and then he was resurrected from the dead. So Jonah's in the belly of a fish for three days, and then he spit out on dry ground. And he's probably on the beach. He probably doesn't smell so good at this point, logically. And, and he goes, okay, I'll go. Well, I would certainly hope so. <laughs> Here's the point. How much do we miss, and we cause ourselves our own pain because we're not willing to do what God wants us to do. Don't be like Jonah. Say yes to God. Which is a phrase that I just want to leave with you today. It's a, it's a phrase that's so important. It's a phrase that for 15 years we used in Victorville. Simple four words. There's nothing else you hear today it's this I want you to hear. Whatever God wants you to do, say yes to God. I'll give you a quick story, then we'll close. We come off of Christmas season this last year. It was a great time in Victorville. We, people were getting saved, good things going on. Very thankful. We get into New Year's Eve service. We had 27 people baptized in water. I love dunking people in water. It's so much fun. And just, you know, people take another step in their walk with Jesus. It's a great thing. 
We come onto the campus, Rhonda and I do, as we drive on, on Sunday morning, the 2nd of January. And literally, like, I cannot explain other than to say it was like a spiritual wave that hit me that your time in Victorville is done. And I'm here like, whoa. And there was a second part to it. It was like a, a voice saying, and if Superintendent Rich Guerra calls you, you need to entertain the call. Sunday morning, Rhonda and I were sitting there in the parking spot where we were, and we talked about it for a minute because it's a Sunday. You don't have a lot of time to talk about other things, so you're getting ready for church. I mean, it's like that's pastor's life, right? You get ready for church. So, so it's a Sunday morning, and, and that kind of stuff's going on. The very next day, we're out to uh, a dinner with a couple that Rhonda and I are interviewing for a senior adult position, uh, our seniors' role in pastoral care in our church and uh, that had been open for a few, week, uh, few months. And so we had this great dinner together. We're having a great time. We get to the end of this, and, and the wife says, well, what happens if Pastor Rich calls you and asks you to come to the district office? And I said, I'll deal with that if that ever happens. And we went home that night, and we're thinking to ourselves, okay, first this thing hits me on Sunday. Now this thing hits me on Monday. What in the world's going on? Tuesday morning, I look at my phone. There's a text message from our superintendent, Pastor Rich Guerra. And he says, call me. Even then, I really didn't think that much about it because I was thinking, you know, I talked to him a lot and, you know, we'd bounce ideas off each other and that's great. And, and yet he gets into this 45-minute phone call and he says, hey, I want you to come and be the assistant superintendent and help me oversee these 500 churches and 1,300 pastors from Fresno to the Mexican border, from the oceans to the other state borders here in Southern California. And I'm here like, whoa. See, friends, when, when God calls you, when God wants you to do something, when God's got an assignment for you, he won't leave you alone. He's got your cell phone number. He can text you, call you anytime he wants. Trust me, I won't call you, but God will. The Holy Spirit will. And you've got to settle this thing in your heart about how you're going to serve. You're going to serve and follow Jesus with all of your heart. You and I, we need to say yes to God.